Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm going to uh, briefly introduce Dr. Rod Clifton, who is uh, a senior fellow at the Frontier Center and is uh, one of our uh, educational uh, specialists slash experts. I've known Rod for, boy, the very beginning. Rod is one of the originals at the Frontier Center. He's a distinguished professor at the University of Manitoba and uh, has retired from the university and now is contributing to uh, uh, the Frontier Center and we're very happy to have him uh, support the work that we're doing and uh, Rod has a paper coming out uh, in the next few weeks which I think will get uh, national coverage. So with that I'm going to hand it over to Rod and Rod is going to introduce our speaker today. Thank you very much. Maybe I'll just stay here because um, um, we're in a circle. <laughs> um, today we have uh, Lauren Weiss who's going to uh, speak to us, and um, he's a self-employed professional in real estate, and he knows about the taxation issues uh, for houses and businesses because he works in that area. He also has a BA from the University of Winnipeg and a pre-master's, uh, uh, finished the pre-master's program in uh, city planning from the University of uh, Manitoba. And his talk is called Funding Education in Manitoba, Let's Pay Fair. Uh, Lauren will talk for about 20 minutes and then we'll open it to uh, question and answers and he uh, can respond. So please welcome Lauren uh, to this uh, Frontier uh, Breakfast. and. Uh, We'll listen to what he has to say. Thank you. Good morning. I'm going to sit over here because it's an easier target than sitting in the corner there. Uh, but uh, first of all, thank you so much for giving me the uh, privilege of speaking to you today. And also uh, thank you, Rod, for uh, your opening remarks. And uh, I'll try and uh, play the role of an expert, although I'm not. I'm just uh, somebody who is very concerned uh, about uh, how we fund education in Manitoba. And uh, I'd also like to thank uh, Professor Clifton for allowing me to use the cost disease infects public education across Canada, which uh, he just completed the end of last month. And uh, some of you have had a chance to look at it. I've had a chance to review it thoroughly, and it's a great piece. And uh, Thank you, and it's uh, something that uh, we'll be referring to both today and uh, in our, our future uh, position paper that we are looking to uh, present later this spring. So let me talk uh, first of all about <coughs> uh, who the Education Financing Coalition is uh, that uh, the Manitoba Real Estate Association and myself are members of. Uh, first of all, I want to point out very, very clearly that we're not experts on education per se. Uh, our core philosophy is that we believe that all Manitobans benefit from having a good, efficient, and strong educational system in the province. And we also believe that all Manitobans should contribute to making that system the best that we possibly can by way of funding it. But we should be funding it on ability to pay and not on where we live or what age we are. Uh, a little bit of our history. Uh, this initiative really began from our perspective 
through organized real estate uh, going back to the late 90s uh, when there was a, quite a kerfuffle in Winnipeg about the assessment process and uh, the number of uh, applications for revision and the impact it had on financing, the fact to the extent that uh, some of the major credit, credit uh, issuing uh, organizations were coming to Winnipeg to find out exactly what was going on here and the impact that it would have on bond rates and ability to borrow. Once we started looking at it on as a, an association, because obviously taxes and property taxes have a significant impact on the real estate industry and the ability for people to acquire properties, particularly first-time homebuyers. Once we started looking at the, uh, the, the property taxes in Winnipeg, we soon realized that uh, a huge percentage of it was property taxes that were the mill rate wasn't established by our municipal leaders. In fact, it was set by school trustees and it accounted for, in those days, a high 40% of uh, the total tax bill. Today, in Winnipeg, it's over 50% of the total tax bill, and in some areas of the province, it reaches 80% of the total tax bill. So once we started to uh, look at that, we realized that the problem that we were facing in terms of high taxation in Winnipeg and Manitoba wasn't strictly a problem that was related to uh, municipal policies or, as the provincial government of the day kept saying, get your house in order, you're spending too much money. Uh, the fact of the matter was, half that money was going someplace else. Uh, in 2005, uh, organized real estate uh, in Manitoba adopted a philosophy of quality of life, which was going to be the overriding factor in all of our social and political activities. Quality of life, very simply, uh, we broke it down into five categories, but it really means creating better living environments for all Manitobans. And Component factors in that are economic opportunity, the opportunity to live and raise a family in a safe environment. And we felt that um, the current uh, taxation regime was not, a, was not a good quality of life indicator. And we kind of stepped up our activity on that file. At the same time, there were a number of other groups who were starting to look at the implication of uh, taxation, the property taxes in Manitoba and the impact on various aspects. That included the chambers, uh, the agri-industry, uh, and a number of other groups. So uh, we began to develop a coalition of uh, interested parties who felt the same way we did on this particular issue. And uh, today, that coalition basically has two tiers. One tier is uh, a policy board, and the policy board is made up of the Manitoba Real Estate Association, the Brandon Real Estate Board, the Winnipeg Realtors Association, the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, Keystone Agricultural Producers, and their affiliate groups. And on what uh, this group does is this group basically determines our policy in terms of how we're going to go forward, uh, our action plan, to say, say the least, in terms of how we're going to proceed on this file. We also have a broader membership of uh, organizations that are supportive. Uh, the the uh, the key group, the core members, not only provide direction, they also provide funding uh, for the coalition. We also have a broader group of uh, associations who, for one reason or another, are unable to participate at that level, but still support and participate in our programming. And those would include groups like MACO, which is the Manitoba Association of Cottage Owners, as well as the Manitoba Hotel Association. So that's sort of 
who we are and where we came from. One of the things I wanted to talk about today is when you, when you look at uh, advocating for change, you have to look at what the current situation is. And so the obvious question is, well, what is wrong with the way we do things? And, and let me start by saying that uh, one of the, the complaints and one of the inadequacies of the system is it's confusing and it's inconsistent. And, and let me give you a couple examples. Uh, for example, in the city of Winnipeg, where we are blessed with six school divisions, uh, properties of the same assessed value are taxed at different rates depending on where they are. And it's conceivable that your neighbor across the street from you, who has a home assessed at the same value as you have, is paying a totally different amount of, of property tax because they happen to fall into a different division with uh, different spending priorities and perhaps a different uh, commercial tax base. So that's one of the inequities. Uh, the other is that uh, in Manitoba, all Manitoban property owners get the same uh, education tax rebate. And that's a maximum of $700 on their primary residence. And that's irrespective of their tax bill amount Whereas recent changes to the legislation are going to give seniors a full rebate of their education tax portion, irrespective of need. So there's no test as to if, you're, if you are over 65 years old and your tax portion of your education tax portion of your property tax bill happens to be $3,500, you're getting your $3,500 back, phased in over two years, I think now over three years because perhaps the government's starting to see the folly of committing to a $50 million expenditure in a system that's crying for money. But that's part of the inconsistency. Also, uh, the system is plagued by a lack of transparency and accountability. Uh, as you may have uh, picked up in the media, and certainly if you're a cottage owner, or if you have investment property or other property that is uh, not in the same division as your primary residence, uh, you have the privilege of paying education taxes, but you don't have the privilege of voting for the trustee who is going to set that mill rate because that is restricted only to your primary residence in the school division that it's located in. Uh, also, uh, when we look at the school trustee election process, uh, although they control a significant portion of our annual property tax bill. Most people don't know who their school trustees are. Most people don't turn out for the voting. The voting is one is dismal in terms of the voter turnout. And in some cases, particularly in rural areas, uh, many seats are acclaimed or go vacant because there are no volunteers to fill those, those spots. Also, uh, there is an inconsistency in the percentage of the property tax bill that is applied towards education. On average, in Winnipeg, it's 50%, but there are some school divisions where it's in the high 40s and others where it's in the mid-50s. And in certain areas outside of the city, in rural areas, we've seen tax bills as high as 80% being education taxes. And that's particularly onerous if you can't vote uh, for the person who's setting that mill rate. It basically gives them carte blanche in terms of what they want to charge, and they are not responsible to the electorate. The other thing that we've noticed is, uh, whether it's uh, by design or, or by happenstance, the role of the trustees have changed. Trustees originally were put in place to be able to provide access from parents and members in the area to the education system and to represent the education system. If any of you have attended uh, school board or school division budget meetings in the past few years, you can see that role has changed dramatically. 
Uh, the trustees have found uh, that the mantra of providing the best education possible is tied to spending the most money possible, and uh, they see their role as taxing, and they tax. And that seems to be the main thrust of, of what we're getting out of our school trustee system right now. Uh, the other area that uh, is ineffective and inefficient is the duplication in cost. I alluded to the fact that in, in Winnipeg, uh, we have six uh, school divisions, which is 54 trustees. Uh, now, that's interesting that we need 54 people to manage the education affairs of the city of Winnipeg, where we only need 57 MLAs to manage the affairs of the whole province of Manitoba. Uh, and that shows the, the inadequacy of the system, uh, and, it's, and it's unusual. It's not something that's normal. Uh, other major cities, some which have much larger populations than Winnipeg, Toronto, for example, uh, Calgary, Edmonton, and even Regina only have one school division for the whole metro area, and, and we have six of them. Uh, the other thing that uh, is important to note is that the cost increases that we're facing are well beyond the CPI cost uh, index. And in fact, uh, Professor Baumel and uh, Professor Clifton's paper, The Cost Disease, uh, infects public education across Canada, which uh, has just been published uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, and as I mentioned earlier, is, is a very interesting read, uh, is, is important in that area because they talk about that cost disease. And Bommel defines cost disease as cost escalating at exponential rates well beyond the CPI. And those usually are typically related to social services, not normally related to private sector uh, activities. Unlike the private sector, uh, in the public sector, there really is no incentive to reduce these costs. In Canada, according to Professor Clinton's uh, latest paper, uh, the enrollment decreased by 8%, while expenditures increased by approximately 60% from 1999 to 2009. So in a 10-year period, we had a uh, significant decrease in enrollment and a very significant increase in cost. To bring that closer to home, in Manitoba from uh, 2002, uh, the 2002-2003 school year to the 2012-2013 uh, school year, enrollment declined by 3.2% over that 10-year period, while expenditures increased by 50%. So the Manitoba experience is not much different in terms of the cost escalation as uh, Professor Clifton has shown the uh, Canadian experience to be. And again, going back to, I think uh, that large part of that can be attributed to the school trustees, a position that it's easier to tax than to represent. And the mantra, which is the mantra we all share, providing a quality education, uh, we believe that quality education can be provided in a more efficient manner where uh, the school divisions are using the fact that if you throw enough money at something, it's going to get better. And results haven't proven that to be the case. Uh, all the statistics that indicate our graduation rates compared to other western provinces are the lowest other than Alberta and Alberta of course has the oil fields to compete with high school education uh, but we have the lowest graduation rates we do poorly in, uh, in, in math scores uh, on a national international level so throwing more money at it isn't the solution it's creating a better environment for education and we don't uh, as a coalition that's exactly where we stop at that point. We are not experts in that area, nor do we 
pretend, but uh, certainly there are other models in other provinces and other countries to look at in terms of how to provide a quality education without blowing the budget on a year-to-year -year basis. Uh, the other thing that uh, sort of is an indirect consequence of the situation we have with these escalating school costs has been the impact on municipal services. And that's, one would wonder why education uh, costs would impact on municipal services. And, and part of that is the public opinion issue. Uh, most people, when they get their property tax bill, look at the bottom line, and they see that as a property tax bill, and they start pointing fingers in terms of the costs at their municipal elected officials. And because most people know who their councillor is, because they know to call them when their garbage isn't picked up or the snow isn't removed properly, uh, councils are sensitive to uh, that, that tax increase issue and have been holding back because they can't control the other portion, which is the education portion. As a result, we're now looking at the municipalities uh, really right across uh, the country, uh, but certainly in Manitoba, facing a problem of failing infrastructure because they haven't got the capital to spend on it. In fact, uh, just last week, uh, the Premier of Saskatchewan uh, had made an announcement. Saskatchewan, as many of you may know, has decided to fund education uh, through general revenue and uh, was funding it the same way that uh, we are. Uh, the school divisions were setting mill rates and uh, the taxes were being collected by the municipality. Uh, the Premier has, has decided that the money that was going towards education tax on the tax bill will now go to infrastructure. And that only speaks to that pent-up requirement for funding for infrastructure that has been set, set back in, in favor of funding in this education system because it's pretty difficult to say to a parent who has a child attending a school who may have special needs or special abilities that you can't provide them with the services they require. And, and that's been the conundrum is the fact that the government knows that they have uh, a, uh, an easy foil in terms of letting the school divisions and the school trustees pick up the slack in terms of the taxation deficit. Uh, speaking of public opinion, uh, just in terms of our own polling, uh, we have done a number of, uh, we do basically uh, update this every two years. We do a probe, uh, omnibus, a probe research omnibus survey and uh, certainly we put in a number of questions that are related to the education tax uh, issue and uh, our research, uh, our probe research omnibus of March 2012 showed that 50% uh, of Manitobans prefer funding through general revenue while only 22% prefer the property tax route. 63% uh, support non-resident voting regs for school trustee elections while only 31% oppose this. And 42% of Winnipeg residents support amalgamation, while only 21% oppose it. In addition, both Brandon City Council and Winnipeg City Council have both passed resolutions asking the province to remove education tax from property tax bills. So there is a strong cross-section of public opinion in favor of changing the way we fund education. So. I guess the answer or the, the crux of the matter is, is there a better way? And the short answer is yes, there is a better way. And that can be done by a short-term and a long-term approach. Uh, our coalition has asked the government 
to commit to phase out the reliance on property taxes to fund education over a five to seven year period. During the interim period, uh, during that period, pardon me, we've asked them, we suggested they could reduce the education tax rebate proportionally as this shift takes place. We've also recommended an amalgamation of six Winnipeg school divisions into one. As I mentioned earlier, we have 54 trustees uh, governing Winnipeg School Division and only require 57 MLAs uh, to govern all of Manitoba. We are recommending that those, if we, if we uh, amalgamate it into one, as other major centers have done, we would go from 54 trustees to nine. We would go from six superintendents plus two to three assistant superintendents in each division to one superintendent and perhaps six assistant superintendents representing the old school divisions. Six operational overheads would become one. All of that money that's being saved could be funneled back into actual education costs. The issue of representation and transparency is an important one. Manitoba is the only province that still relies on school divisions to set mill rates for taxation for the education portion of taxes. We recommend that the government, and we're asking the government, to move to one educational mill rate for the entire province set by the province. That deals with the problem of lack of representation, it deals with the problem of lack of transparency, and it also creates an environment where all students in Manitoba have access to the same quality of education and education funding regardless of where they live. If this were done, all properties with the same assessed value would then pay the same amount of education tax. Taxation without representation would no longer be a problem. We also strongly advocate centralized bargaining with teachers unions for the entire province. As we know, wages and salaries are 85% of the cost of ed delivering education today in Manitoba. School divisions are ill-equipped to negotiate against the unions. And that was borne out when we started a number of years ago, the province uh, strongly uh, supported amalgamation of school divisions and the first response we got was, this is costing Manitobans a huge amount of money because when we amalgamate, we're finding that the, uh, the contracts aren't the same, even in neighboring school divisions, and rightfully so, I guess, they went with the, higher, the highest level. Well, the point is, why weren't the contracts the same in neighboring school divisions? How much difference is there in the needs of one school division and their neighbor next door? And that speaks to the fact that uh, the trustees don't have the, uh, the resources available to them to deal effectively with the teachers' union. And uh, it makes no sense, really, to have people who are coming from various walks of life get involved in those kinds of negotiations. Certainly, the teachers' unions don't send a principal to negotiate the new contracts. They send a high, highly uh, specialized and educated team to, to do their negotiations. We believe that all Ed Manitoba students should have the same quality of education, independent of where they live in the province. And responsibility for that quality and cost of education, much like the responsibility for health services, for social services, for justice, and a number of other core provincial responsibilities, should be with the province, and that's where it should end up. Uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the position of the coalition.
Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. We're not today. Don't go anywhere.